Before we get started, are you registered to vote? Exercise your right and register to vote at vote.gov or rockthevote.org. The general election, the presidential election, will be Tuesday, November 3rd. The registration deadline for the general election is on Monday, October 5th. The early voting period for the general election will be October 24th through October 31st. That's one week. You have one week to take advantage of that early voting period. And don't forget, folks, you can also vote by mail. For more information, check out vote.gov and rockthevote.org. Back to Perspectives. I'm your host, Eugenia Arana. On today's show, we'll speak to Florida House of Representatives Legislative Aide Daphne Arana and Florida Senate Legislative Aide Gianna Trochino. We'll get into the impact, importance, and role of local elections. We'll go over useful tools and resources for staying as informed as possible as an active citizen. We'll also discuss some of the impacts that COVID-19 has had at the local government level. But first... It's the year 2020, and it's impossible to get through an entire day without hearing or reading something that has to do with today's politics. I don't know if it's just me, but as we get closer and closer to the November 3rd general election day, the more tense the political climate gets. You can feel it. At least, these have been some of my observations. There are major social issues that need to be worked on. There is no doubt about that. And the start of that repair begins with the beautiful process of democracy. And that begins with a vote. Yeah, but why vote? The politicians are all corrupt and want something for themselves and so on and so forth. Whether I vote or not, my life isn't going to change. I still need to work. I'm not dismissing any of those responses. Does corruption exist amongst both political parties? Absolutely. There will be good people and bad people in every walk of life. There will always be some type of interest depending on the background and who the candidate is. There's lots of gray area in this life of ours. But I work more than 40 hours a week. How am I supposed to do the research? I have kids. I have a life. Today, in 2020, it is easier than ever to Google information on any candidate or potential law that's on the ballot. There is zero excuse. And if you can't find the information on certain candidates, that trend seems to be consistent for older candidates that are not so tech-savvy. You can always search for information on their background. For example, if you Google a candidate's name and can't find much information, you can always check to see who has endorsed X candidate. Let's say you care about a clean and healthy environment. If you see that a candidate has a history of donating to environmental causes or if the candidate has represented or worked with pro-environmental organizations, then right off the bat, you know that candidate X has experience working in that field. That's just one small example on how to dig a little deeper when choosing between local candidates that people have never heard of before. We don't do enough as a community to inform ourselves about the candidates that are running for public office. Yes, this responsibility falls on the individual, I understand that, but that doesn't mean that good practices can't be taught, especially to a new generation. This brings me to the importance of local elections, primary elections. In a busy 40-plus-hour work week, mixed with family responsibilities, extracurricular activities, recreational activities, friendships, and relationships, how is the average person supposed to know every single candidate that is running for local public office? For the judge of District X or the state attorney or the county property appraiser, property appraiser, do we even know what that is? Well, turns out, 
The county property appraiser's duty is to determine the value of all property within the county, including improved and vacant real property, uh, tangible personal property, and agricultural property. Pretty important, huh? Well, what if it's in the hands of this guy? We'll call a county property appraiser Brad Harvey was arrested at his home by the FDLE and charged with defrauding the government for overpaying himself some $200,000 in salary and for using the office credit card for more than $26,000 in personal expenses. Harvey was booked into the Wakulla County Jail and released. Because of the coronavirus, he was not put in a cell. Anyway, it's hard to predict the future. I don't know if there was any signs that Harvey was capable of such activity before he ran for office, but imagine if enough folks did the homework. But I will go back to the formula we offered earlier. If candidates are researched well enough, maybe we can make a better choice. If there weren't enough obstacles, throw COVID-19 into the mix. This coming primary election and general election are going to be hit with a major obstacle, and that is the virus. How are people supposed to feel safe and align with a whole bunch of other folks in the middle of Rona? People need to find any alternate ways of voting. People will be taking advantage of the early voting process, including vote by mail. According to a story written by David Smiley and Douglas Hanks in the Miami Herald, Through Sunday morning, after 13 straight days of early voting in Miami-Dade and weeks of mail voting, pre-election day turnout was on pace to surpass the 304,440 votes cast in the entirety of the August 2018 primary. Even before the primary vote, which by 1 p.m. had seen 5,131 ballots cast at early voting centers, more than 290,000 votes had already been submitted by mail and at early voting centers. Miami-Dade Supervisor of Elections Christina White said, We're at a historic turnout even now, she said on Saturday afternoon, a day before an expected Sunday surge in voters. What's going to be interesting to see, and I won't know until the election concludes, is, is it just a shift to those voting methods and therefore election day is light, or is it high turnout in all three voting methods? I think we're all waiting to see how that plays out. It's going to be more important than ever to be as informed as ever on every single candidate in this coming primary and general election. There is still time. Use Google. We have the power in our pockets and at our fingertips. We elect our leaders, so the responsibility is on us to elect the right people to represent us. Elections are fundamental. Thankfully, you guys are in store for a treat. So we're joined today by my sister, Daphne. And Daphne is a legislative aide for the Florida House of Representatives. We are also joined today by Gianna Trochino. She is a legislative aide for the Florida Senate. Now, thank you for joining us. And what I really want to get into today is pretty much the practices of local government and local elections. What I want to emphasize is is the importance of local elections, right? So as legislative aides, you guys are on the ground doing the work firsthand. You guys have been part of campaigns. You guys have had to knock on doors. You guys have, as, have had to motivate people to vote. Why, is, why are local elections important? Daphne? Well, local elections are important um, for many reasons, but one of them is that those are the laws that affect you most directly. And so um, the state has a power to do certain things um, that the federal government just does not yet. Um, One example is um, that actually um, just passed in the Supreme Court of the United States. It was protecting uh, LGBTQ workers from um, discrimination. That's something that didn't happen until this year. Um, But the states, each state individually, they do have the right to enact laws like that 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 will protect um, LGBTQ workers, um, you know, and just certain things like that. Um, so, so what you're saying is like the, it started with the states. What do you mean? Like, like those, those those laws typically are birthed 
locally before getting that national platform? That that is correct. I mean that's that's something that we do see, and I I do see that um, laws are more specific. Um, just like the example that I just gave you, and even giving like returning citizens the right to vote. I know that other states um, have that, um, and Florida just passed that um, amendment four in I want to say 2018. However, um, that's been challenged, and then that's just one example um, or a couple of examples on why local elections are really important because they affect you most directly. And what do you mean by challenged? So, um, challenged, um, <laughs> in 2019, uh, we had a Florida state representative, uh, his name is Jamie Grant. He actually filed a bill that said that in order for a returning citizen to vote, you have to be clear of court fees, fines, et cetera. So basically you cannot be in debt. You cannot owe anybody money. Um, and then you'd get, you'd be granted the right to vote. So um, there was a lot of controversy behind that. Um, one of them being that people believed it was like a form of a poll tax, but um, it's been challenged in the courts and it's not, it hasn't been finalized yet, but for now, uh, returning citizens can vote in the state of Florida. Nonviolent. Gianna, um, now you work with the Florida Senate. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's much difference in terms of you know, the importance of voting, because people still have to elect their representatives. Um, but in your experience, why is it so important? Why is, is, is the role of local elections so important? Yeah, so local elections are incredibly important, and it has to do with the fact that, um, you know, this isn't just one state senator who represents 500,000 people. Um, you know, you're getting into the nitty-gritty. You are talking about commissioners and school board members and... Um, property appraisers, public defenders, um, prosecutors, all these people who they just have such a integral role to play. And if people don't come out to vote and have an influence and an impact um, in electing these people, then they won't be representative of the community's values. Um, and if they're not, then, you know, that could be bad for the community, but also, you know, just for example, with a school board member. Um, School board members, they are approving budget, they're approving curriculum, you know, they're, um, they're going to be talking about, you know, opening and closing schools and making the decisions for locally the community. And right now we know that's so important because, um, you know, we're here in Miami and Miami has been known as like a COVID hotspot um, across the world. Um, and so the students of Miami um, who are part of the Miami-Dade County public school system, they are not gonna be having the same issues that someone up in North Florida, maybe Leon County is gonna have. And so the local you know, elected officials are gonna be making these decisions for their local community. And that's important because they're the ones who know it best because they live here. Um, Which it brings the importance of the, the voter's role in choosing that elected official, right? Because if there is a specific incident like COVID, for example, right, right. that needs to be addressed, it'll, it'll be to the benefit of the community that a member of the community mm -hmm. who understands the issues of that particular community be elected, therefore, uh, you know, helping for a better solution versus electing an outsider that you might not know Absolutely. anything about 
who uh, doesn't might not know anything about the, the city, the culture, you know how, how things run, uh, uh, the the way of thinking, who could possibly make decisions and not know how it's going to affect its uh, its people. Uh, absolutely, and this is a great point um, because right now there's been some. Um, some talks about how it's very difficult for people like um, who are living in Miami who want to make decisions about schools reopening, specifically because, you know, just so everyone knows, worldwide, the standard for reopening um, is having a positivity rate. So people who go and get tested and the rate that it comes back for the percent of people who tested positive within that community. Um, the, the worldwide standard for reopening is 5% or less. Um, Miami is not at 5% or less. I mean, just three weeks ago, it was over 25%. So that means one in you know, five people, one in four people are coming back positive. And so it's different. So the, um, the, you know, the current education commissioner of Florida has even recently made a comment saying that teachers who don't show up to school could be terminated. And you, you, the, the people should be making decisions locally. Like your local school board should be deciding about your local community. And They're, who's making that decision right now? Well, it, technically, legally, it is the local school boards. Um, right. But right now, you know, the, the current education commissioner has been making statements that people have been pushing back on and saying, um, these are local decisions. Can we, can, can, can we say this uh, out loud, like that this is a local decision and you know, you're not enforcing something on us that um, is, is a state standard. Um, so he's walked it back a few, a few times, but this just goes to show how important it is for, you know, local communities to have power. Um, you know, that, that's, that small government mindset, um, you know, I don't really understand sometimes why it doesn't, um, why it doesn't transfer uh, statewide. So copy copy right and and Gianna said it um, very well about the power of local elections and so um, I feel that it, it it is it is important and it and it does hold a lot of power um, you know the locals making their own decisions based on you know their school board and their county commission and their city commission and um, and within the last few years or actually well since I've been in the legislature um, in 2018 uh, there have been a good amount of um, bills that have something to do um, with something called preemption. Mm -hmm. And what that does, it takes away power from local government, mm -hmm. and then it becomes state regulated. Mm -hmm. So just this past session, um, this bill, it did not pass, but it went through all committees. It had to do with um, Airbnb rentals. Mm -hmm. And so they, they the, the sponsor of the bill, wanted to make it so all of the um, Airbnb regulations and rules were uniform across the state of Florida. And so local governments cannot put any kind of ordinance. Um, that to cater to that specific community that, way of operation. That is correct. And, you know, things like that, like negative, would negatively affect um, South Florida, for example. You know, you renting a party house in South Florida or in Miami is not the same thing as you renting something for the weekend in Leon County, you know, in Hillsborough County, it's not the same thing. But they have to abide but, by the same uh, standards. But they would have to initially, yeah, they would have to essentially abide by, by, you know, state law. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, another really great example that happened last session is 
Um, I think down here in South Florida, everyone is even more hypersensitive of climate change and sea level rise um, and just the effects that we're having on, you know, our water and our environment. And so, you know, Key West, they banned sunscreen that had, you know, certain chemicals in it that um, destroyed coral reefs. And that's a decision made at a local level that was very important to the community, um, very important to environmentalists and just people who want to protect our, our water and our coral reefs. Um, and the Florida legislature, they passed a bill and voted to, to overrule that um, because, you know, there's, there's certain lobbies in certain industries who would take a huge fiscal loss if they were not able to um, sell certain sunscreens and um so that's a great example of how, you know, there's a lot of local power um, and it should stay local. So you had mentioned uh, that this was deliberated in session. Mm -hmm. For the viewers and listeners that don't know what session is, what goes down in session? Okay, so um, <laughs> the, the mm -hmm. legislative session in the state of Florida consists of 60 days. And so before those 60 days, you have to do something called committee weeks. Um, each member of the Florida House of Representatives and the Florida Senate um, is appointed to certain committees. Um, some may be appointed four or five different committees, but those are just um, committee, committees are just things where certain topics are discussed, and those bills that um, members sponsor have to go through three committees. Um, in order to the, get heard on the floor. Sometimes session. more. It could be four. Yeah, sometimes more. It could be four. Sometimes it could be less. It could be, be one. It could literally be one. <laughs> it could you come know. up late in session and right. show up on someone's calendar and only have to go through one committee and it'd be a super controversial bill. Right. But... And, and we can discuss that um, sure. in depth <laughs> <that's laughs> later. Uh, we can get very, very technical. Uh, uh, here, no, no, but know, that's fine. Like that's fine. No, no, no. Like, because I, I, I guarantee you that there's, there's a lot of people that don't know how these laws are made and right. how, the, you know, they don't know that this is a partisan, uh, excuse me, a bipartisan process where there, 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 you know, there's parties involved, there's, there's, there's debates involved. Um, sometimes some bills don't, don't even make it to, to the floor. Some bills That's get right. ignored on the floor. Some you bills know. don't ever get heard. Yeah. Right. Is, is there a particular example that comes to the top of your head of a bill that was really good, that was worked on, that had, you know, uh, the, the chance to change people's lives, which I'm sure all, the, all of them do. Um, uh, anyone in particular that stands out? Any more recent one? Oh, so many. Especially given COVID, um, there's been a Medicaid expansion bill um, that keeps getting sponsored every single year. You know, a member carries it, but it, it gets no hearing. Mm -hmm. um, basically, what? from the day that they file that bill, um, it will never... It'll, it'll be referred to the three committees, but it will never be heard on any committee. And why is that? Well, I mean, it could be <laughs> for, so. for many reasons. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right? Um, so a lot of the times a, a bill is filed and it never gets heard. Um, be, I mean, because really <laughs> what it is is... Um, so what you have is you have in this in the Senate, you have a Senate president, and in the House, you have a Speaker of the House. And they get to choose out of all of their, uh, you know, legislators who is going to be a committee chair, who's going to be a committee vice chair, um, and who's going to be on that committee. Right. And the committee chair chooses what bills get heard. So if that bill is not liked by a certain person or a certain party or certain people who, um, to be frank, fund a lot of campaigns to get people elected to make it easier for them to pass bills, 
um, then that bill doesn't get hurt. I mean, a great example is, um, you know, a conversion therapy bill. I don't really think it's that controversial to say that you shouldn't electrocute gay children to make them straight and put them through conversion therapy. That bill has never been heard in the past four years it's been filed. Right. Um, this is the same with um, uh, abolishing the death penalty. I mean, that's something that keeps getting filed every single year um, and it doesn't get a hearing. Uh, same thing with a, a complete, like, assault weapons ban that's, that has been um, filed every year uh, by the same representative since Parkland happened, and, you know, it still does not get a hearing. So it, it really depends on the priorities of that chair and that vice chair. Mm -hmm. Specifically, right? So what that yes. means is, like, if you were a voter mm -hmm. and you voted for somebody who... Um, how do I explain this? If you voted for someone... How to explain this? Like, if, yeah. So, if you're a voter and you vote for your representative or your senator, and then they go back to Tallahassee and they are placed on a certain committee that hears certain bills, but not only are they placed on a committee, they're placed as a chair. So, if they have certain influence um, within within that party, and you, you know what we what we say is that's why people organize that's why they email that's why they call their members that's why they try and influence them and say um you know kind of make a fuss about certain things to to let people know you can at the end of the day make the decision and make the vote that you want to make but there are people um who are watching you and there's people who are voting and listening um and that's what's so important is that sometimes these really terrible bills get get through and get voted on and no one knows about it until after it's after it happens and right. then a bill is written and then laws go into effect and they are detrimental to certain communities and it, it's so easy especially because session is um it's not a long period of time we're not in session at all times um you know this is we're there for 60 days yeah basically a year yeah, 60 yeah. days out of the year. I mean, this is technically considered a part-time job for members mm -hmm. of the Florida legislature. But in other states, it's mm -hmm. it's longer than that. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, it causes a lot of stress on, on both sides because mm -hmm. a lot of the times those bills get shoved down our throats where we have to listen to 80, 90 bills in a single day. And I'm sure it's like a, some condensed, um, you know, right. for dummies version. I mean, sorry, I might use a better phrase, sure. but a more condensed version. Right, and so you don't have a lot of time to look into that bill mm -hmm. if you are going to hear it today, ask questions about it today, mm -hmm. debate it today, mm -hmm. and vote for it or okay. against and it today. Why is that? Is that because Florida's history or, or political history has traditionally seen this as, I don't know, I'm, I'm saying since we're, at least for the last 20, 30 years, Florida has traditionally been majority Republican or conservative. Yes, uh, yes. As oh, far as yeah. politics oh, concerned, right? the last so, couple days. So what I'm, yeah. what, I mean, what I'm saying by that is that because Florida has traditionally leaned right, it's not of the interest of those politicians and that tradition to, to hear bills that are a little bit more liberal? So, okay, so a great example of this is when uh, Rick Scott was our governor... Um, there was, um, there are many news articles written about how he didn't allow his administration to use the term, uh, climate change. And we know here in Florida that we are so vulnerable and especially communities on the coast where two thirds of people live in Florida, by the way, on the coast. 
Um, and we know that we're so vulnerable to climate change um, and the effects of it. And an entire governor's administration for two terms did not allow that word to be used. And this past year, um, actually my boss, my senator, Jose Javier Rodriguez, he passed the first ever climate change related bill um, across the state of Florida. And it's literally so simple. It's, it just says, um, if you are building in the coastal zone and you're using tax dollars, you're using state tax dollars, you have to have a study done by the Department of Environmental Protection saying, you know, in the next 50 years is kind of what the study is based on, um, you know, how will your construction project, the infrastructure that you're building, be affected by climate change? Because we know even here in Miami-Dade County, um, in 40 years, you know, they project, I think it's like six inches, like people, sea rise. right, of sea rise. And so people are planning for it now. And Miami-Dade County is, you know, having these conversations now, planning for the next 40 years. And the state of Florida should be as well. Um, so that's a great example of how um, people that you vote for um, literally affect s such dire um, decisions every single day. Um, and some people don't even know that. So clearly you guys are are seeing the sausage being made, for lack of a better phrase. You guys are seeing um, how, how these bills are developed, how they were to pass, um, how much, you know, the, you know, how important, you know, th this role of local government is uh, on decision making. So what, um, what led you to become a legislative aide? What wanted, what made you get involved in politics? How did your career um, lead to here? Um, well, before I was a legislative aide, um, I worked on a congressional campaign in 2018 uh, for Mary Barzi Flores. Um, and even before that, um, politics was never in the plan. Um, I graduated in college in 2016, um, you know, with full intentions of doing something in the communications world. And, um, you know, halfway through my second to last semester, um, you know, I just realized that a, a lot of the um, policies that are made, um, my community and we are like on the receiving end of. And, um, you know, a lot of the times that's just not right. Um, a lot of the times I just got very frustrated the way things were and, you know, why don't people have health care? Why do people have to live, um, you know, on 725 an hour? Why, why do I have to pay so much in um, student loans? You know, just things like that. Um, things that a, directly affected you as you yeah, were uh, developing in the real world. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, um, you know, uh, taking all those things into consideration, I just thought that um, becoming involved was just the, the only way that I can, you know, help. Because I feel like voting wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've been voting since I was 18, and um, for a while I thought that, that it was enough, but it's not. Um, and so that's why I decided to volunteer. Um, and then I became a finance assistant, and then that's where I met um, my current boss, Cindy Polo, um, while she was campaigning for, for her house district seat. And, you know, she asked me to be her legislative aide, and, and I took the job, and I couldn't be any more grateful um, but I'm a lot uh, better about things. I know a lot more. Um, but it, it can also be, like, very disheartening, learning a lot of the things, a lot of, um, you know, what happens in the background, a lot of things that people don't necessarily know. Um, and, it, you know, it's just an issue that we have to get better at um, advocating 
uh, better at, you know, letting people know how important, you know, their Florida state representative and their Florida state senator are. Mm-hmm. Jenna? Yeah, so um, going off what Daphne said, I, I mean, I've always been involved in some sort of political process, whether before this I was, you know, working on a gubernatorial campaign for Andrew Gillum. Um, before that, I was a field organizer, and um, before that, even on campus, I also was a field organizer, and I, I worked with multiple organizations, and, um, you know, when you're in the community and you speak to the community, um, you know, it just, there's always been, like, a passion to, you know, make sure that that representation is there, um, and as a field organizer, I was able to have, you know, very vulnerable conversations with people. You, you get to, you get to really learn, um about people and why they make decisions and what's important to them. Um, and then being able to have conversations to, to transfer that into action, right? Like ma- making it important to those people to know that everything that's important to you is important to the people who represent you in, a, in the way that affects you positively or negatively. You know, politics, you may not like politics, but politics likes you. Um, and it, it just, it's important to be involved because everyday decisions are made and you're either at the table or you're trying to um, directly affect conversations at the table um, or you're not and they benefit people benefit people in power benefit um, negatively when you're not involved so I've always found it's just important to bring everyone to the table that way um, that representation can be there um, and you know hopefully we can in November um, bring a larger turnout um, than we have before. And speaking of larger turnout, I mean, in Florida at least, which just recently passed, uh, just got through a primary, mm-hmm. and uh, the turnout was higher. It was. Um, it was. And, and in every every um, yep. different way of uh, voting, uh, voting by mail, uh, early voting, mm-hmm. uh, day of voting, mm-hmm. numbers yeah. were high. Yeah, the the twenty twenty Florida primary um, was the highest it's been, I think, in eighteen years. The turnout. Um, but we still were only at 28% of um, eligible voters who voted in the Florida primary. And while it's great that we're breaking records, um, those, were, yeah, those, yeah, those records were pretty abysmal to begin with. So the bar is pretty low, y'all. Um, <laughs> and right. I think it's important to encourage everyone you know to vote, encourage everyone to research their ballot ahead of time and like text 10 people and make sure people get their vote by mail make sure people are involved because 20 percent is better but it's not good enough yeah and this isn't a a partisan thing like uh, this benefits either party like if there are certain values that you believe in certain values that 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 you you want to fight for the more involved you get in the process, the the better the outcome and or the better involvement of the community. You know, let's say you come in with that, with an idea. At the very least, you're going to be able to hear the other side. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to be able to compare and contrast. Therefore, you know, making a better decision for the community. At least it was discussed, which I think is the democracy, is it not? Right. Um, so clearly, how long have you guys been doing this? Stephanie, you've been... I've been a legislative aide for two years now. And Jana? I've been a legislative aide for one year. Right oh. So... In your experience so far, like, what's one thing that you know now, like, with your experience that you didn't know going in? Um, something that you thought was a certain way and being chewed out and spit out by the machine. Um, uh, what, what is there one thing that stands out that you were like, oh, things are like this? Oh, so, so many things. Um, I can give you so many examples. Just like the power, the power in local elections, right? The power in state elections. 
um, and how much they matter and how much they affect your daily life. That's one of them that we discussed earlier. Um, just the process, the overall process. Um, I Going into this, I didn't know that a legislative session was for 60 days. I mean, everybody outside my political circle does not know that. Um, that, you know, the legislative session in, uh, um, in Florida is 60 days. They also don't know that members serve on committees. They don't know um, how many, you know, committees every member serves. And those are things that I didn't, didn't know either. Mm-hmm. Um, I, can, I can name so many other things that, that I just didn't know. But the overall process is just, it's, it happens very fast, and we just have to be very attentive to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Joe? Yeah, I think, I mean, I al- as an organizer, I always knew how important it was to, um, to, to advocate. Um, but I think, you know, working in the legislative process, you see how, um, how bills can be either pushed forward or kind of halted based on the involvement of the people. I mean, there are some very, very controversial bills that were passed this year, and honestly, um, because of advocates, they were not met easily, and they were also, you know, not met without like local newspapers picking up on it, without right. phones ringing off the hook, without people showing up in mass numbers, um, and you know, also without you know policy experts helping um, certain you know legislators, you know, on on the side of the people, um, like helping them stall, you know. S- to the next step because right. you know the advocacy is just so important and I don't think people realize the power that they have in numbers and um, if as many people involved during those um, controversial bills were just involved throughout the entire process I, I think we would see you know much better representation um, not only with the members that we elect but with the overall outcome of um, the bills that get presented to the governor for him to then sign or veto um, yeah and a really good example of that is um, the um, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Act that passed in, I want to say, 2018 legislative session. So, um, you know, the March for Our Lives students um, and advocates, they uh, gathered up in Tallahassee after the, after the uh, uh, shooting of the um, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School happened. Um, and the bill itself... Um, it had the arming of teachers like cloth in it to begin with, but you know advocates and you know um, some members who sided with the advocates managed to get that portion out in 2018. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, fast forward to 2019's legislative session, and now that clause is um, is in effect. It's definitely a law. Um, teachers are across the state of Florida are allowed to um, be guardians, which means that they are allowed to carry weapons, um, have weapons on them, um, and, you know, serve as guardians. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, that's just one very powerful example. So, you had mentioned that a lot of of your friends outside of your political circle or career circle, Mm -hmm. right, um, didn't know what what this process was like. Um, working in within the local government, how fundamental was that to knowing this information? And what I'm trying to lead to, right, is that how can people outside of that political circle 
know this information like I know obviously the internet is available right but mm-hmm. unless you are interested right that's the only thing you know without knowing any doing any research without knowing anything unless one is interested right mm-hmm. one isn't going to find out about it because the information is not going to come to you right mm-hmm. what's the best way for them to find this information find out the steps find out the process well it's definitely a struggle now I would say especially because um, candidates on the state level they don't have money right they don't have money for you to um you know see their ads on tv or see their ads on social media so it's very it's very difficult for them to reach out to a you know a, but it's always a, been like that right that's always but, been yeah, on the candidate it, right like determining how far they can take their message i mean yeah but unfortunately with well now it's easier because of social media right mm-hmm. but it's it's always been very difficult because they don't they don't have the dollars mm-hmm to make their message known to the public. And that also has to do with fundraising, right? Like Correct. Correct. Right. Their efforts in or how how much effort right. they put in the fundraising. Right. And you know, that's always been a struggle, but I think the most important part of this is the organizing. Um, you know, just getting a lot of people who support you and support your message. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are, you know, chosen or it's, it is their duty to go organize and to go knock on doors and to go spread your message. And having volunteers is just so crucial and it's so important. Um, and it's honestly the best way to um, talk to a potential voter mm-hmm. is that face to face contact because text messages are nice. Phone calls are nice, but there's nothing as personable as an organizer coming to your door, trying to talk to you about the issues that matter to you the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, to learn, so a few things. So I think to learn about the process and how it works, um, a lot of organizations are a really great resource. So if you look up something that you're passionate about, so, uh, you know, there's like Planned Parenthood organizations if you're passionate about reproductive justice. Um, you know, there are unions, um, which are great for advocating for their workers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, if you find an issue that you align with and find an organization in your area, especially making it local, they can teach you about the process or they can show you the resources. You can go on your county websites and look up everything from budget to financial programs to um, who your commissioner is and etc. Um, if you're asking about researching, you know, now that we're in election season, who's going to be on your ballot, like local, state, um, you know, people you're going to be voting for that impact you, my favorite resource, and I've been sending everybody this link, is um, vote411.org. And this is like not paid advertisement, y'all. This is like a real plug um, because... The League of Women Voters are the ones who helped launch this. Um, and you can find out on there how to register to vote, how to check your voter registration status. You can look up every single person on your ballot, and they have um, questions on there that these um, these candidates will ask and answer. And you can literally look at people's platform, their website, um, and also subscribe to local journalism because a lot of these local newspapers like the Miami Herald and the Orlando Sentinel, they, yes, Tampa Bay Times, these are all amazing, amazing journalists who are so smart. And um, not only do they need their help, but they do a lot of this hard work for us. And they actually have their editorial boards and people, um, you know, endorse candidates who they have um, interviewed and they'll give you their answers and their resources so do your research um, and 
these these resources are um, are helpful for a lot of people. So so clearly there is a community affected by this, right? So. I, I want to put myself in the brain or in the perspective, right, of the opposition, right? Like, why? what reasons do I have not to respond to these taxpayers that want an issue addressed that affects them directly? What would be the cause for them to support, you know, that, that private enterprise? That, 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 not that private enterprise, but that company specifically. Like, could it be that there's lobbyists uh, 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 on behalf of the quarry? Well, I would supporting say, some politicians who might not uh, might not might have an interest to not see the bill. Well, I mean, so for starters, this is this is not a partisan issue, mind blasting, because the, the the mine quarry does not care if you're a Republican or a registered Democrat. It ruins everybody's houses, and that has been the sole issue that has united um, District 103. And, and, and by united, you mean it has bipartisan support. Correct. That is correct. And so the residents are fed up, and you know there there have been um, the town of Miami Lakes. They have their own uh, blasting committee, um, where they appoint certain members to um, talk about potential discussions um, and talk about potential solutions um, to regarding mind blasting, right? And then they take those recommendations and they um, meet with um, state senators and state representatives to see if they can, you know, do something about it, right? But um, regarding your question, a lot of the times um, that issue does not get addressed because there are certain elected officials that actually, um, you know, benefit from those policies not passing, right? And so um, the person who was previously in um, District 103, the former state representative who is now a state senator, he's received money from that quarry. And so that is what has prevented him um, from passing a bill that could, you know, protect homeowners. His own district? His own district. His own district. This was the person who was seated before Cindy Polo and then became state senator. Yeah, so those are both, I mean, for the audience, those are both sides. Those, those are the two things that are at stake, right? You have one side. One, the community is being directly affected by an issue, and that private company who is affecting that those those folks um, um, has a lot of money on the line um, um, because this is a profiting uh, profit making machine. Um, so that's on the line. Right. The, the, that's that's the tug of war. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, um, that that is a that's a local issue for sure that you can um, obvious obviously see. Um, you know, can be influenced positively or negatively by who you locally elect. Um, I think an issue that Daphne and I could both touch on that affects the entire state and that affects um, millions of people in Florida right now, um, and <laughs> adding to this, um, will be an issue that the people you elect this November will be debating about and passing legislation on come next year is um, unemployment. And that is an issue that is affecting millions of people in Florida right now. Um, And it's very difficult if you have been through the unemployment process, um, especially in the last six months, because there are people who have been unemployed right now in Florida for over six months. Um, Our office, we're helping people even back um, February trying to get benefits. 
So that's February until now, and we're in at the end of August, who haven't been working and who are struggling through a system that um, was designed to be hard. And it's been proven that it was designed to be difficult by the current administration. They even said um, the past administration built this website and this system to be as difficult as possible in order to keep the unemployment rate low. To discourage people from applying. To discourage people. Or for, for, for finishing yes. the process. It's harder, it, when it's harder to apply, people give up. And if you make it as difficult as possible to get benefits, less people will be counted as unemployed in the state and the people who are elected, the governor and the administration and the cabinets, will look better if that unemployment rate is lower. And so right now we have millions of people going through a very terrible time, still unable to get benefits, navigating a system that's broken, um, navigating a system that the legislature has an opportunity to fix um, this session because a lot of these changes that make it so hard right now are changes that your elected officials, your senators and your representatives um, can change, such as the fact that Florida right now has some of the lowest unemployment or the lowest benefits um, in the entire nation. So the minimum benefit amount you can get per week is anywhere between $125 and $275 a week. Um, that's some of the lowest in the nation. You before this were required to be searching for work a little hard right now in a pandemic and, in, and especially in certain areas where there are entire industries that are not coming back. Um, and it, you, you make it more difficult for people um, and then you give them as little amount as possible and your representative and your senators are going to go back this session to deal with the budget because the budget is something that affects everybody and the budget next session is going to be the sole focus because this is where it's been hit the hardest. There's, there's billions of dollars in um, Florida. Florida, if it were its own country, it would be the 17th largest GDP like in the world. And so now that our state relies on tourism and tax dollars, you know, there's sales tax, gas tax, et cetera, um, all of these, these um, our revenue is not going to be as high as it was before. And so people are going to get, you know, hit on that. Um, locally, it's going to be harder for budgets to be passed and you're going to have to have priorities. And so you want people who have you in mind. You want people who are going to go back up and who are going to say, well, if the legislature can change it to more than $275 a week, which they can, and if they can change it to where it's not 12 weeks of benefits, but 26 weeks like it used to be, they can do that. Um, if they can make it so that a work search requirement isn't required to get benefit, like there are so many things that could make it easier that the people you elect have control over upcoming. Um, and that's why it's so important to, to have representation and that representation comes when we all come out to vote and there's more than 20% of the eligible voters in Florida. For the, for the um, constituents that, fe that fears their taxes being raised because of this, and I know that's a very, I'm painting it very broad here, right? But for the critic who is going to say, hey, all these unemployment benefits that are coming, they're kind of come from somewhere. How is the taxpayer affected? Okay, so first of all, unemployment comes from a trust fund. It comes from the UC or Unemployment Compensation Trust Fund. Your employers are paying into that. Your tax dollars are going to fund the benefits that you are receiving. So... 
And then if you are not usually eligible for benefits, which people who are self-employed or independent contractors, people who normally do not pay into that trust fund and therefore are not eligible for benefits, the CARES Act federally was passed March 29th. And these programs were implemented into the state to make sure that you could receive benefits. Again, this is money that you are paying in taxes that's being allocated to benefit you right now because you need it because we are six months into a pandemic. And again, there are a lot of industries that are not back and not coming back anytime soon. And people need assistance from the government that they elect and, and through the taxes that they pay. And if you want to say in how your taxes are spent, you need to vote. Right. And I mean, adding to her point, I want I want to be mindful of the fact that the legislature did have the opportunity to address those issues with unemployment this summer. Mm-hmm. We we called in for a special session. Right. And it was voted into and um, the majority voted no to not have a special session. This this would be to address unemployment benefits um, to and also to expand Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Um and I believe there was a third point to it that it I don't was remember. Related to voting and you know having Vote, funds oh, allocated, vote, vote ensuring right, vote, ins- voting. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, I just want to stress that it could have happened, mm-hmm. but at least in uh, the Florida House of Representatives, um, it was a party line vote. Well, yeah. it, what benefit? What benefit? Like, okay, in this. <sighs> to, like I yes, <laughs> I, I know what you're gonna ask, and I right. think I think what you're gonna ask is why is this partisan? Like, why is coming back to address issues that are affecting everybody's constituents partisan? Why is doing less a good idea? It's and I'm not. putting the ball on your, your court. Yeah. So, it's not. Um, but, if we're going to be real, which I think we have been this whole time, uh, we are very close to an election in November where... Every single member of the House is up for election, and there are a lot of senators who are up for election, which currently, just so you all know, there's 40 senators in Florida. Right now, there's 17 Democrats, and it's projected that there could be up to 19 I don't. I think they say 19, and I don't know, there's a, there's a flip that might be a 20, but if Democrats could break that, you know, that, that how do you say like if you can get to 20 and you can get to half you have more power and so why would the leadership want to bring people back to publicly advocate for issues that if we're going to be honest are not being addressed by a certain party because they had a very strong hand in making sure that everything is the way that it is right now. And so why would they want to be called out on issues that they had a hand to play in right before they're going to be reelected? It doesn't benefit them. But this is not about them. This is about the people of Florida. This is about the, the voters and the people who pay taxes and the people who elect these members who are supposed to be there to represent their community, but are really right now looking out for their best interests. So the inaction stems from a re-election opportunity chance? Unfortunately. Or reputa- possible damage reputation? Un- right. And Daphne, I'm going to let you take this, but, you know, unfortunately, um, government and politics are just so intertwined um, and, and not in a good way. And so, you know, people are, again, up for re-election in November and, mm-hmm. you know, they don't want to look bad and they don't want a chance for their opponents to um, hit them on things that they should be hit on. At the right. cost 
at of, the cost of, 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 of their, their constituents. The COVID-19 <laughs> pandemic. That, that as well, yes. That has changed life as we fucking know. Right, right. It changed everything. Yeah, everything. Yeah, I mean... Um, uh, so, I'll leave the stories like, who are you guys seeing engaged? Like, as these, you know, as, you know starting from when you guys began... Um, to, to, to right now, since we're going closer into election, who, who have you seen that's engaged? So um, we are seeing a lot of, um, a decent amount of um, representatives and senators who are doing an excellent job in trying to get people um, their unemployment benefits. Um, Representative Anna Escamani has been at the top of that list. Um, she's taken over um, in trying to help people with, um, you know, their unemployment benefits, and they've taken... Um, you know, a lot of the times um, we do get constituents that are not necessarily ours. You know, like we don't—they don't live in our district, um, but they say that they—they cannot reach their representative, that they email their representative and they don't answer. And so we have, you know, no choice but to take to take them in, and we want to help them, and we want to make sure that that they're compensated, right? Because this this has been a very a very stressful process for us, but it's been an even even more stressful process for them as, you know, they're, they can't pay bills. They can't feed their kids. They're about to lose their homes. Mm-hmm. And so um, Representative Escamani has been doing an excellent job trying to get people their, their unemployment compensations and have been, you know, she's been writing letters to the governor demanding for um, extension of benefits um, in addition to other things. Um, Refer, uh, excuse me, uh, Senator Jason Pizzo has also been doing an amazing job. I mean, he's personally been up in Tallahassee, um, you know, speaking to to the people directly and try to ask them, you know, like what's going on and and um, you know just trying to get people their unemployment compensation as well as uh, Senator uh, Jose Javier Rodriguez. He's been doing an excellent job. I know that his staff does. A wonderful job, <laughs> you know, not to be biased or anything, but they have been, you know, day in and day out, just you know, helping everybody. Doesn't matter if they're their constituents or not, but these are people who are really, really struggling. Yeah. So, and, and the the elected officials who are doing a good job, and I, like the bar can be set at. Do you see them in the community? Do you hear from them? Are they hosting food distributions? Are they answering the phones? Um, just so everybody knows, um, and you should look up who your uh, elected officials are in your area, and you can do this by just literally going to Google, type in Florida, find your legislator, put in your address, it'll show you who your congressional member is, your state senator, your uh uh, house representative, um, and then your, you know, your uh, like Margaret Rubio and Rick Scott, right? So right, your U.S. Um, senator. So if you do that, know that if they are a state representative, they have access to help you with any state agency. If you have an issue with food stamps, or you can't get an appointment with the DMV because every single DMV is closed because of COVID or if you need help with your unemployment benefits, or if you need help with Medicaid, or literally any state agency issue, you can reach out to your state elected official and they have contacts to help expedite your cases. So call them and hold them accountable and um, make sure you know who they are, that way you know who to vote for in November. Um, Because 
these people are supposed to work for you. If you have a federal issue, contact your U.S. senator. Uh, they can help you with federal agencies as well. So just know that you know it, it's really hard right now, but these elected officials are supposed to make your lives easier, and their job 60 days out of the year is to be in Tallahassee, but all the 300 plus other days, they're in the district, and they're supposed to be in the community, and they're supposed to be working for you. So check in on it. Ladies and gentlemen, Daphne Arana, Gianna Trocino, thank you very much for joining us on Perspectives. Thanks. Thank, <laughs> thank you for having us. <laughs>